Hi, and welcome to the Tomato Timer, a podcast about learning to learn. I'm Zubair from Xenos, and I'm tuning in live with experts from around the world, asking your questions and hearing their stories, all before the timer goes off. 24 minutes and 39 seconds to go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 35 of the Tomato Timer, and we are launching a really, really cool series, as you can tell with the changed up background and, and our logo right up there. Um, One Young World is working, uh, we're collaborating with them to launch the Young Changemaker series and where we're bringing some incredible ambassadors uh, to, to, to share their stories about making a change while often being very, very young. Um, and I'm really, really excited to, to welcome my, the first guest on this, on this kind of sub-series that we're running, uh, Joel Alexander. Joel is a final year undergrad at LSE. He's a Forbes 30 under 30 scholar, and he is a co-founder of Reshape Co. He started off as a pro bono, but a not-for-profit, one of the world's largest consulting group that is focused on, and it was, it was built upon this uh, in response to the COVID-19 crisis and specifically for SMEs and startups. He's also the co-founder of Project Access India, where he was working to help underprivileged students to get into university education across the world. Um, Joel, so good to have you. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Subhair. It's been it's been crazy long, right, since we last met. <laughs> um, but you know, it's been a crazy time with um, COVID and uh, lots changed since the last time we met. You know, you think like a few months apart wouldn't do much, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> world changes. But also with regards to what Zenoth is doing, I have to say like, you know, you guys have really turned around this like pandemic time and turned it into something meaningful for everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my friends uh, messaged me after they saw that I was coming on this podcast and um, they said that like, oh, you're coming on Zenoth. like, wow, you know, you've made it when you've hit your like, you know, childhood revision platform. And I was like, yeah, that's so true. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. That was a... Uh glitch on my camera side of things. No Amazing. Um, Joel, tell me a little bit about the, the kind of the, the idea behind Reshape because yeah. Reshape started off within the lockdown. So many of us were struggling to figure out like what's up and down, where, how are we going to figure out life and how are we going to get our groceries while you were sitting in, at home and working with a group of incredible people to set up this, this, this not-for-profit. So tell me about yeah. that. You know, that, that's the funny thing, really. Like, uh, it's the most ideal time to set up a business, right, during your final exams. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> like, you're just, like, every day you're having these 24-hour exams, and then all of a sudden you get a startup idea, and then you have to scratch that itch. It's like a chicken pox. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you, you just can't let it go. So um, I sat down, and luckily enough, I uh, worked with these individuals who are now my co-founders, a uh, huge shout out to John V, uh, Anurj, Sheen, and Gokul, who are really, uh, without whom this would not be possible. And it was really good that I knew that they were interested in like the field of social entrepreneurship, whilst at the same time having really good consulting knowledge. And I always say this, I was not someone that started out with like, oh, um, several internships in consulting or anything like that. Absolutely not. Um, but it was like essentially a will and, uh, you know, like a burning desire to help those in need that really fueled this whole thing and brought us together um, with regards to how it happened while everyone else was figuring out how to get groceries. Uh, I <laughs> guess there's really no answer to that. Um, like, you know, you, you can choose how to spend your time, to be honest, even today. Like, but I don't think everyone has to um, get out there and do a startup like during quarantine. Absolutely not. Uh, but I think it was really um, 
you know, uh, a privilege just to work on this together with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So just add a little bit more like flavor to, to, to reshape. So it yeah. is a not-for-profit. It's helping support startups yeah. and especially in the APAC region. And, yeah. and, and, the, the most incredible part, because I love um, anything that's to do with the four students by students, that's our motto. So it's all student-led as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at this stage, I think four of our, at least when we started, we were all students. And now four months uh, in, like four of our uh, founders have graduated from okay. university. <laughs> so I'm the uh, last, last one standing, I guess. But then yeah. our entire uh, team of 210 uh, members are now made of uh, essentially students, right? Um, and I absolutely agree, like, you know, the times are changing and we do have young people um, stepping up to the challenge and, you know, yeah. taking responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So and tell me, why, why does that? Because I have a really, really good answer for this, but I want you to tell, tell everyone um, why students, why young people? What, what, what are they bringing to the table when we're talking about yeah. consulting? And, you know, when most consultants um, look a little bit wizened and have gray hair and, and come in with a suit, why, why is it that? dudes in yeah. like t-shirts and shorts can actually make a difference yeah absolutely so i think that um that mindset shift really needs to happen where um you know we think that mature industries are difficult for young people to take yeah. on and the challenge i find is that uh i don't see myself in a position where okay i need to wait 15 years before i'm able to start my own company and make a meaningful impact in consulting or uh in the sme space like i can't mm. I, as a young person today I don't think me or my team have that, you know, patience to wait that long before being able to make impact. And yeah. it's this constant urge of saying, like, you know, we have to make a change. And that's very one young world like of us, of course. Of course. Um, but I don't know what, what makes it special is that they're all so um, talented and, you know, they've gone way beyond their years in terms of skills and like, you know, acquiring them beyond their degrees and things like that. So I think that it's, um, you know, it's, it's really strange, but I feel like in my head, at least, they're almost equally equipped to take on um, these challenges. And yeah, we need time to gain experience, understand the ins and outs. We don't have everything ironed out, but I think that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. Like you never know what you're yeah. diving into, what it'll turn into, but um, you know, you go anyways and see what happens. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I, I always kind of like, uh, toot my horn about my team because they are just an incredible bunch of people. Um, yeah. Again, you know, many of them are not even at university or at high school, and they have levels of skills which are unprecedented. They have levels of organization which you know a full time team often doesn't have. Um, we work across you know multiple times, and I'm sure you do too. Um, and the final bit, which which I, I think is a huge huge value to consultancy, is the fact that these are young people who have that Gen Z perspective, they know that impact is front, right, and center of everyone, the youngest generation who are gonna go out to buy and, and purchase services um, or goods. Uh, and and it's that angle which is absolutely crucial for these large organizations to have or large corporates to have, because without that, um, how do you sell to them? You know, these are the people who know yeah. exactly what it's done. And this, this creativity uh, that you know the young people possess is incredible. Now, yeah. it's quite tough to break it um, into any anything uh, as a young person. You know, you always have um, barriers ahead of you. You have um, things which, which like people are saying, oh, you don't have enough experience. You don't, you can't do this, you can't do that. How do we tackle that? Yeah, uh, you know, honestly, 
Uh, I can't, there, there's no um, set way, set one way to sort of approach this, right? For mm. me, it's just a lot of like messaging people who probably would not respond to me uh, and like asking them, hey, what do you think about this? And bouncing my ideas off of not just the people I want to work with, but also people who are in industry. So through One Young World, I was lucky enough to meet uh, some great like investment bankers and consultants. And I was just like, shooting this idea across to them and I was like what do you think what do you think like do you think it will work and they're like you know it's it's not exactly some not the first thing I would think of <laughs> uh, but then at the same time they were really encouraging and gave us some pointers as to what to look at especially and um, I think also just doing some research to be very frank it's not rocket science consulting is not rocket science absolutely not you being uh, you know, a STEM major, you will probably agree more than anybody else that it's not too complicated to get into this um, sort of a thing. It's about problem solving, you know? And I think if you have a passion to solve problems and you're able to connect different pieces of a puzzle, then consulting is the right fit for you and it doesn't take um, too much to break the barriers in, in into um, the industry. I wouldn't say so. And um, I don't think everyone would agree with me, of course, but, um, like, you know, these kind of experiences and getting involved with student consultancies, I think is an interesting way even to break into um, the professional uh, consulting industry in the long term as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I want you to, like you mentioned, One Young World, I think that's another incredible place. Um, but in general, you have surrounded yourself with people who are who are who are, who are making a change. Um, yeah. You know, you have the support of people like One Young World, but also um colleagues who are also like you know aligned with your social mission your angle your 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 purpose on this planet um and i think that makes a huge difference so for example knowing you um and knowing that i can always reach out to you and then knowing that you have that the idea of you know teaching underprivileged students uh and and working towards helping startups in in in, in crisis time knowing that is also a huge kind of support so i think um, I, I would just like to add that, the, you know, sure, you, you, there, there are difficulties, but there are also some incredible communities and, and places that exist yeah. uh, to tap into because they support you so much as well, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, this is um, something that you and I can probably relate to. Like, as students, again, we questioned probably, like, would we be eligible to take part in One Young World? Like, you know, like, these mm -hmm. are the things, like, there's so many aspects, whether it's one young world, whether it's consulting or like anything else, like you have to, you have to like take that chance and reach out and expect like, you know, yeah, what's the worst case scenario? They say no. And like, I guess that was the whole um, beauty of this one young world uh, aspect, like as LSE students who had never essentially had this sort of a structure or framework inbuilt into our university, we reached out regardless and were like, we want to get involved. We want to be a part of this change. Um, uh, with respect to the organization as a whole and the people that are part of it, uh, they're just amazing, aren't they? Like, and uh, it's about getting behind. Yeah, it, it's getting behind like one another. Um, to be very frank with you, I think um, you know the like the mentality that um, one person has to be worse off for you to be better off. Like that just seems to go out the window. It's like you know together we need all of us um, to actually make a difference in the world and to make a meaningful impact. So, I think the people of one like the people at one young world and those who are, like you know have been involved with it um from your large celebrities to your final year uni students like me uh, like all all of us feel the same way in that we just want to give back and we want to uh, create a world that's better for everybody you know uh, no matter what 
industry it's from. Yeah. I want to uh, bring you back to a point which you mentioned um, in passing. You talked about the confidence. You talked about having that change in the mindset uh, and going out there. And uh, like you yeah. said, messaging hundreds of people, not expecting to get replies from. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about okay. how we often feel like, nah, this is not going to work out. How can I reach this guy with 10,000 LinkedIn connections or, or who's a CEO or, or, or a president yeah. of this organization? Me yeah. as a 20-year-old or 22-year-old, how am I going to speak to them? Yeah. How does that happen? Well, um, like one of the you know things that I always think about when I reach out to these kind of people is somebody took a chance on them, you know, mm. uh, and therefore, like, wouldn't I want to be that lucky one that they take a chance on? Like, you know, that's <laughs> my <laughs> that that's like one of the sort of yeah. key things I keep in mind. The other one is just like I have nothing to lose. Honestly, what what are they going to think of me? Oh, he's too keen. He's too keen. Um, you know, to get involved in this space. Like, that's the worst thing that's going to happen, yeah. isn't it? Um, and for me, that's really a very much a winning situation. Like, I don't see the, much, much that I'm losing in it, appar- uh, like, you know, apart from, like, like five minutes of my time where I'm drafting a message and sending it to them. That's it. Yeah. Mm. So that's just really, really that in mind. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have to say, I was often, uh, at the start, would be really embarrassed Oh, man, I'm going to send a message. What if they don't reply? What if they, yeah, how would I feel about that? It feels like so, yeah. I feel self-conscious about it. Um, mm-hmm. But like, who cares? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it always starts like that, right? But then like, it's just like that with anything else. Like if you look at the finance sort of space, uh, people do spring weeks to get into the internships and then get into the grad roles, right? It's very similar, like if you think about sliding into the DMs of a professional, <laughs> first you say a hi and a hello, and then after that you're asking them for these things that, like, they're you know they probably uh, don't even think about giving anyone else like their insights and their knowledge, and then after that turns into this meaningful relationship that you have with them that goes beyond networking or anything like that. It's about mm-hmm. a connection and like you know, um, from, speaking from experience, really, I reached out to a really um, I guess, influential person in the startup ecosystem in one of the countries here in the Middle East. And, um, you know, she's been such a massive support for us. Like she, she's a young individual trying to make the same sort of change, but she's probably a bit further down the line. But, you know, she took that chance on us because someone took that chance on her. And uh, she really saw value in like working together and, you know, trying to make a meaningful impact. So, yeah. Taking a chance. That's that's an incredible incredible concept, and I think um, we really need to break out from that those those cages in our mind of thinking that we're not good enough, and you know what happens if they don't respond? Because there's there's just so much value add. Um, I can tell you there have been like hundreds of closed doors for me. I can't even count the number of people who ignored my messages or my yeah. emails completely. Even no, forget about like emails. That's quite easy. I'm like you know what about the days when when COVID wasn't around? We'd go into networking events. You speak to them directly and they just like ignore you. That Those, are Those are the worst. Those are the worst. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it, and it, it, it's about overcoming them. Uh, so what about what about building from that? There's, there's this, this level of confidence that you need to develop. There's this level of, you know, I'm out there to make a change. So I have the yeah, privilege yeah. to ask you. What about the mindset? Um, yeah. Let's go back I to guess, that mindset. Right. So I guess when it goes beyond the personal gain, and when the gain is for your community as a whole, for the world as a whole, um, the purpose in that sort of um, you know outweighs any sort of fear of rejection, any sort of pain from rejection, I guess. Yeah. 
Um, and that really is what drives me to be okay with hearing a no from someone or um, not getting a response from someone because I was doing it for a better purpose. I was doing it for the SME space as a whole, which is absolutely like tarnished right now. Um, you know, majority of countries, like you see that the SME sector is the driver of the whole economy. And now it's like, yeah, and, and it's just in shambles right now, right? So I, I feel like protecting, like, you know, trying to help in any way to get those jobs back um, yeah. to sort of improve their business and uh, help them recover some revenue, like those sort of things really make me passionate about doing this whole thing. And that's, that's why I'm, I'm not really afraid of a no. Incredible. So let's, let's go back a few years, right? You're in your final year now. Um, were you always like this? Was this always your driver um, that to make a change yeah. in the world? No, no. To be very honest, no. It was uh, uh, my driver was to make a change in my bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, like you know, it went from coming in um, wanting to do like becoming a finance hardo, just like anybody else that we know in the sort of London system, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, like it went from that to this time where I had a bit of a academic setback, I would say. And um, that really made me think, to be very honest, um, about like what my priorities are in life and what uh, what I want to have achieved when I guess I I'm no longer here. So like you know the impact and the legacy you want to leave behind yeah. um, to go beyond more than uh, restructuring debt and um, you know I don't know <laughs> mergers and acquisitions uh, yeah. and all those sorts of things. And I just really thought I was feeling quite privileged to um, you know be at LSE. And uh, I think that's when I got involved with uh, Project Access International and came in as their Project Access India head. Um, so, you know, like wanting to help those that didn't have this opportunity to come here and to experience that setback even and realize those things. Like there are people out there that don't even get this chance, you know, so I wanted to help make that uh, a possibility. And really that took me through a journey of, like this whole new it's not entrepreneurship is not something i woke up with like you know it's something that took a while for me to realize that this is what i want to do and i think um, many entrepreneurs will say to you that only if there's a problem to be solved will they get up in the morning and like you know sort of try to do something and i think that's yeah. what i got out of that whole situation and then moving forward i was just like anything i do i want to be able to help somebody else, you know, um, whether it's in a small, a small scale, like one person or whether that's like a hundred people or a thousand people, you know? Yeah. And just to talk about LSE a little bit, because, um, you know, when I was in London as well, there was a very, uh, stereotypical, um, image of what an LSE student looks like. And mm -hmm. I, I remember you guys would tell me like, the, I would hear that you guys had like Bloomberg machines in your library and you guys were like, attacking spring weeks like before they even came out and you had like this whole plan and you know, you're going to you're going to come in a, a consultant and advisor and you're going to move up the chain and become a partner by the age of 30 or something like that um <laughs> yeah that's what i heard a lot about but tell me what and especially if you're surrounded by people like that that's it's quite quite difficult to break that kind of mentality yeah, um, yeah. What, what is it like what's it really like when you when you got in there and how did you make that difference for yourself yeah, full disclosure, I've used those Bloomberg terminals. Uh, <laughs> and I've had like, uh, you know, it's really fun to use, to be honest. It's, those are quite, kind of like really expensive if you are yeah. if you don't have access to them from your university. Very expensive. <laughs> so we're really grateful for that. But um, with respect to how it's like, like being there, the atmosphere is just like 
I, I, you know, to say it's electric is like to say that it's like in the entertainment business, but it's not like, I, I mean, to say like everyone's driven, like just driven, I guess I would leave it at that. And they okay. want to achieve something. Um, and I guess like, yeah, you know, all the stereotypes about people knowing about spring weeks before they even came in, well, it wasn't me. So I didn't get in the door, <laughs> but, um, like it, I think people do have those stereotypical elements that you mentioned, to be very frank, but I think you'll also find um, a good percentage of people that are now having a shift in that, in, in that priority, you know, like really thinking, okay, yeah, I'll use consulting as an exit opportunity, like, you know, using that to exit instead of I'll do that forever. So I think increasingly the financial services space for, a lot of people, maybe not the majority of LSE by any means, but um, is becoming something of like a transactional or um, sort of like a you know phase in your life where you get some experience, you learn about the industries that are out there, especially with consulting, you do a lot of industry agnostic stuff. And, um, and then, you know, you move on to something else, like starting up something that will help people around the world or whether that's just something for yourself. Um, that startup mentality kicks in. But I think right now, it's not like young person, graduate, do something meaningful. It's young person, graduate, um, work somewhere for a few years, gain a lot of experience, do something meaningful in the world. So that's the sort of trend, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about like, I know this is a little bit different to our kind of the chain maker bit of, of the series, but um, yeah. getting into LSE is, is quite quite a challenge, you know. Um, yeah. I, my dad would mention LSE when I was still like in 13, 14 years, because every um, accountant dad knows about that, that <laughs> school, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. that's the best one out there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what about your academic journey at school? Were you studying GCSEs? How did you go about yeah. getting yeah. into a university like that? Right. Um, to be very frank with you, like our school was not one that produced yearly LSE graduates or anything like that. Mm. Uh, you know, we weren't one of your fancy international schools or like I, I wouldn't yeah, say that. But then at the same time, yeah, we did A-levels, IGCSEs. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the option to take about four A-levels, I think. Um, so that was really good because you had that buffer because you need about three A-levels for your um, requirements. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you said, my dad always used to say that I used to read about uh, your professors in my books. And now I want you to be able to go there and like, you know, get in a class with them and learn mm -hmm. from them. So uh, I think that was really motivating. And um, yeah, I, I don't think there's like a one, there's like a secret recipe to get into LSE. I just think that it goes a lot towards curiosity uh, of like, you know, the subject area that you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was like I had this article about helicopter money um, from the whole Abenomics um, thing. And, you know, that's something I was like super interested about. And I was like, oh, wait, so they're just going to give free amounts of money to uh, encourage spending in the economy. Like I was just like, that was a very foreign concept to me as someone yeah. who was in like year 12, 13. Right. So um, like different things like that that really drive you to pursue a certain subject area. Um, mostly it comes from, I think, commercial awareness and sort of stuff like I don't think a lot of people go into LSE coming like you know wanting to go into like an academic sort of field of study or anything like that yeah. um, but I do think that you know whatever is happening around the world is very much connected to finance and that really drives people to apply there but yeah. having that knowledge is super important 100 yeah. percent I think that the, the key key thing that you said was curiosity you know you need to have curiosity for the subject beyond what IGCSEs and A-levels yeah. kind of 
push you to, to study. Um, and that's what really makes the difference. That's what makes your application stand out. Um, Joel, you know, the, the, I, I'm, I'm reminded of the first time we met, um, and it was like the 2019 uh, London Summit. It was incredible. Yeah. And it was crazy because I was unsure because it, it was my first summit at One Young World. And, and um, going into, I think it was, was the Royal Albert Hall for the opening ceremony, yeah. the National History Museum for that. The, the, it was just like... Yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah. Meeting such inspirational people, attending some of those uh, talks given by like some of the biggest names in the world, people like Professor Muhammad Yunus, Nobel Laureate. Um, I'm just reminded of that, and it's like speaking to you, like, oh, it takes me back. Um, the pitch competition, that was the, the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like scouting my competition that day. I think it was, uh, yeah. you know, you, Arij, and uh, we had Shreya there as well. Yeah. And we were sort of all pitching to get this amount of uh, funding, I think, from this um, from this group. Uh, I think the Resolution Project, right? The Resolution Project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was crazy because I was like, oh, what's he pitching? What's what, what are they? <laughs> and, and that was my first time pitching for Project Access, actually. And I oh, learned so much yeah. from, like, essentially, uh, what, one hour, two hours of saying the same thing again and again and refining it to, like, you know, uh, the interests of the judges that were passing yeah. us. And yeah, it was really, you know, that that was the best time to meet you guys and really get to know you guys on another level to see that you guys also shared the, you that know, drive. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I was yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's sad that, uh, I don't know, like a lot of those physical in-person energetic movements don't happen or are going to be very different from now on. But um, I, I guess I was mentioning it mainly because that was, it was moments like these which truly inspire me and truly kind of give me the energy to continue working on Xenos mm -hmm. and continue working on all these projects that are yeah. you know, out there for the social mission. Um, but as we come to the end of the podcast, I wanted to like absolutely connecting with these kind of communities in the world who are filled with young chain makers is, is crucial to keeping your energy levels, keeping your motivation up for whatever initiative you're working on. But what is it that you would talk to, what would you tell um, Joel who's entering LSE uh, with a very, what, what did he say, that financial hardo mindset? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, what would you tell him? Yeah. I tell him that, um, you know, there's more to the world than you. <laughs> uh, mm. And um, what's in your bank account. Um, and I tell him that, you know, um, like to have a meaningful life goes beyond, you know, working for a company or whatever it is. It's to see how many people you impact on, you know, maybe not on a daily basis, but how many people you're working towards impacting mm -hmm. and to never really give up because, you know, in our line of like work, it's so easy to give up. Like you can just wake up the next day and be like, yeah, the odds are stacked against us. There are so many other consultancies out there. There's so many other a revision platforms out there yeah. um you can just be like oh why am i doing this anymore there's someone else doing it like you know you can that's where you can draw the line and say yeah that's this is it but i think it's important to remember to sort of never give up um and to persevere and remember why you started and then think in retrospect essentially and see like your work in the context of the future essentially so, so that, you know, like, you know, if I was to look at where I am 10 years from now, as I am now looking three, you know, three years ahead of time, yeah. um, sort, of, sort of seeing that, you know, the kind of impact that you had then and uh, what you'll be able to do, if you're able to do so much now, imagine what you'll be able to do in like 10 years time. 
so being able to think in retrospect and never giving up and remembering why you started, I think just the key takeaways for me personally. Incredible. It was yeah. super, super inspirational to meet you many, many months back, but also to hear you again. Thank you so much for launching this series for us. Absolutely, Zubair. Thank you so much and all the best with the podcast and everything you're doing at Zenotes. Thank you so much. Um, so that wraps up episode 35, guys. Um, and we'll be back again next week. This series is going to be running for a couple of weeks. We have some really, really interesting, incredible guests, um, as Joel knows, some amazing ambassadors to share their stories and, and their unconventional journeys with you. Uh, you know, you can always join us on our Discord community to ask questions to the incredible guests that arrive and and just, you know, keep us keep posted on our social medias. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you later. Bye bye. And that's another episode of the Tomato Timer. If you'd like to ask your questions and join us live next week, join the Xenos Discord server. The invite link is in the description. And to learn more about Xenos and how a bunch of students are on a mission of making quality education accessible to all, go to xenos.org. Bye for now.